Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to The Shift, the podcast that aims to tell the no-holds-barred truth about being a woman post-40. Created and hosted by me, journalist and author, Sam Baker. Totally lost sight of your personal style? Feel like your clothes hate you? Whether it's the result of two years in and out of lockdown, emerging from the motherhood tunnel, or the advent of menopause, many of us no longer have a clue how to get dressed. Enter this week's guest, Kat Farmer, better known by her Instagram handle does my bum look 40, and best friend to every woman with nothing to wear for who they want to be today. But scroll back a decade, and Kat wasn't a style-savvy influencer with hundreds of thousands of Instagram followers. She was a mum of three small children in her late 30s who had completely lost her way. I mean, they will bury me in black. I mean, I, I just love it. I think there is something so innately elegant about it. And maybe it's because I do see it on other people. But I have to say, if I'm going to an event, chances are I will wear black. Kat's now written a book, Get Changed, Finding the New You Through Fashion a typically friendly and low-key guide to just that. To be honest, I was hoping that when I spoke to Kat, I'd also get a free wardrobe detox. God knows I need one. But instead, we ended up on Zoom, talking everything from reinventing your career to why clothes are the key to our identity, how the fashion industry is finally wising up to the older woman, and why her rule of three will put an end to all your shopping mistakes. How is Scotland? It's great. I love it. I mean, it's pretty cold today. The last couple of days has been pretty cold, but yeah, it's lovely. Have you had any snow yet? Very happy. No. (laughs) You don't want snow. I do. I do. My favourite weather is when it's really, really cold, but really bright. Yeah, that's what we've got here at the minute. I'm I'm in Suffolk at the minute. I've just come for two days just to do some work. So how are you feeling about the book? I'm so excited. Could you imagine Cat Farmer writing a book? No, it's really funny because I was one of those people that said, I know, you know, the saying is that everybody has a book in you. Uh, yeah, some people say that, but mainly you want to punch them. <laughs> <laughs> a book and a marathon. I definitely don't have a marathon in me. And I, I, <laughs> when I mean, you said marathon then, my kind of like geriatric brain went chocolate. 
Yes. Snickers. Yeah. I've walked a marathon, but I've never run one. I would never intend to run one. That's it's just, no, can't see the point. Um, but a book, I thought, no, do you know what? I don't, people kept asking me, a couple of publishers over the last sort of three, four years, we kept saying, will you write a book? And I said, no, I can't. The thing I love about fashion is that it's so transient and that, you know, it's, it's instinctive. And how do you write about that? And, and then I did the show for the BBC, You Are What You Wear. Now I've been a stylist now for 12 years, but pretty much most people that you style over the years have an inherent interest or love of fashion and that's why they come to you. So they've lost their way, but but they come to you. Doing the show and then doing lockdown when I was doing so many lives and actually really connecting with yeah. my audience, I suddenly realized, do you know what, actually? You assume that most people have a base level of knowledge no. and they either may have had or have never had and who have never had an interest, but they suddenly realised that they don't like the person that looks back at them in the mirror. And they were asking questions about the topic that we were discussing. Let's say it's jeans. But the questions they were asking, is that you're not asking me about jeans. You are actually asking me about how do I actually even start to think about getting dressed in the morning? And it was, it was oh my Lord, I need to go right back to the very, very, mm-hmm. very beginning. And it really isn't anything to do with actual clothes. It's more about an innate feeling of the person that you want to be when you look in the mirror. And the it's manifestation like identity, of that. identity, isn't it? Exactly. It, the manifestation of that is your own personal style. So... That's my thought. Okay, fine. Actually, no, there is a book. There, there actually is. And to some, if you are obviously a highbrow fashionista, then it's going to be you are teaching me to suck eggs. But for I think so many people that I've realised, there is just that disconnect, especially over the years, and especially at a certain age, that disconnect with the person that they know they want to be, but knowing how to be that person, how to get there. So that's what the book does. It takes you in real tiny steps through. And it was just just so cathartic writing it. I've got loads of fashion questions for you, of course. But before we talk about that, let's talk about you and your own personal identity shift that got you here. So you used to, back in the day, back in young, the day. young <laughs> girl about town cat, yeah. used to work in the city, didn't you? Yeah, I was a headhunter. And yeah, I mean, I was suited and booted. You know, it was, it was all very good. And I did that for, oh, how many years? Probably about 10 years. And then I had my children. And it was a job that actually, do you know what, as a mother with small children to sustain that level because essentially I was networking so I was out in the evenings I was away at conferences to sustain that with small children is a very specific parenting choice that you make there would have needed to be an inordinate amount of help it's a very difficult job to do part-time and actually it's interesting isn't it with all the new flexible working hours things there are some things that need to be done when the majority of your peers are also working for that you know as much as I'd love to say you know it it could work it, it was very difficult to maintain the level of seniority that I was Anyway, so I moved to the country as well, coincidentally with a second baby, six weeks old we moved. I had a two-year-old and a six-week-old baby, moved to the country and thought, this is the life for me. I'm going to do this. So I freelanced my old company, which was which was great. I had all the great bits, but with none of the actual client responsibility, it was quite nice. I did that for a year. And then I had my third child. So I had a three-year-old, a one-year-old and a newborn. And Sam, I just rocked in a corner. 
I, I, yeah. I was fine for probably the first six months, and then I just said, "What have I done? What yeah. I can't? What I can't? I, I can't do this. This is this is for me." I didn't realise how, on a day to day basis, how unrewarding motherhood can be. And I know that sounds a terrible, disloyal, and awful thing to say, but. No one ever tells you you're doing a great job. I mean, you can see it with hindsight and in retrospect, but at the time when you're used to being, you know, I was so career driven and it's like, right, my children are now my career. It's like, I am getting no feedback from them. Where's my performance review? Exactly. (laughs) Come on. You know, and and also I'm organizing things and they don't go to plan. You can make as many plans as you want, but with a three-year-old, a one-year-old and a newborn, nothing goes right ever no, so if you're a control bit of a control freak that's like your worst nightmare oh uh, it was I couldn't handle it it wasn't what I had almost been bred to do I just couldn't cope with it I couldn't switch off from this and then it was where is this going to go I've given up my career and I, I, you know we're talking now back 13 years so what back, were you late 30s at that point mid late 30s I was Yes, I was 2006. And at that point, you know, it seemed almost impossible that you could reinvent yourself. As little as 13 years ago, women weren't, you know, they weren't pivoting at all. It was, you know, we weren't talking about it in the same way. Absolutely. And if you have, you know, you'd been brought up in a certain way, you know, the career that you had when you started, that was the one you stuck with, you know, well, that was a decision you had to make. And that was that was all you could do. Anyway, so to cut a long story short, I had an amazing doctor. I went to see another incredible um, psychologist and had probably six months of CBT with them, which was absolutely brilliant. And she was amazing. And that she just said to me, look, just you have to accept and know that one day you will do something else. You don't need to know what it is now, but know that you will be able to and just focus on the here and the now. She was amazing anyway. And that really sort of gave me an extra year of being at home with the children. So I only didn't really work for about 18 months. And then I thought, no, now I'm ready. Now I'm ready. And I I wanted to have a shop, actually. I was like, I'm going to have a clothes shop. I was always obsessed with fashion. I was going to say, what made you want to do that? Go from headhunting to a clothes shop? Or was it just an innate love of clothes? An absolute innate love of fashion and having always wanted to work in fashion, but, you know, for various reasons, being persuaded by various people to go down a more commercial route, a more lucrative commercial route. That's that's the area I went down. Anyway, a very good friend of mine said, okay, fine, look, I'll help you. We'll do this. And so we did a business plan and it was all amazing with our premises because I knew what I wanted. And I wanted really interestingly to a shop that sold incredible basics. That's what I thought people need. Building blocks. You know, you need amazing jeans. You need an amazing jumper. You just need an amazing t-shirt, an amazing denim shirt. And you couldn't all find that. You had to go from that to that to that to that. Anyway, then another friend of mine said to me, you should write about this. One, you take our shopping all the time for, you know, be it, right, come on, let's go and find a new pair of jeans. Right, let's go. What do you want? Let's get a new coat. This coat will make all these outfits work. I'd been shopping and helping friends with their wardrobes for years. To be it's just something that I did and everyone knew that I could do and help them with it. And a friend of mine said, um, my mother-in-law in Canada, she has she has this thing called a personal shopper. And I was like, that's what famous people have, a stylist. And she said, no. Yeah, just, yeah only rich people have those. Yeah, definitely. And she said, no, actually, do you know what? It's an everyday thing over there. I was like, oh. And then another friend who just come back from America, uh, her husband was American, she said, write a blog. Do that, write about it, 
No one writes a blog in America for over the over 40s. So I said, okay, fine. My husband said, well, look, here's the thing. This one shop idea is going to cost us a significant amount of investment and will take up <laughs> all of our time. Uh, you're going to be working 24-7. The other one seems like a much more cost-effective plan. Let's start with that one. Oh, right. And also, it's much more flexible. You know, it really was very, very flexible. You could do it when it as and when you wanted. I could write in the evenings. I could, you know, it was just brilliant. And so I started doing that. I started doing that. Did you set up Instagram at that point? No, because Instagram didn't exist then. Oh, God. Instagram, that I know. That long I ago. Was, it was that long ago. It was 12 years ago. So Instagram did not exist. Uh, 2011, so it's been 11 years. So then it came along and Instagram, when Instagram sort of launched, I mean, I think I've been doing Instagram now for eight years. I suddenly thought, this is the best marketing platform. For me, it was purely a marketing platform and something, you had the blog, but then this was visual and it was much quicker. And I said, you know, and you can link from Instagram to your blog. This is a commercial marketing dream. And so that's how I started. But it was really marketing myself and the services that I did with regards to personal styling. And I did style studios where I did like eight women. And I did that for years. And Instagram suddenly took off in a way that, well, I certainly had never. I mean, when I was, when I first started, you couldn't monetize Instagram. There was nothing like that. It was just a nice place to put pictures and put a link to something that you could monetize. So I never, ever started it with the intention of actually making any money from Instagram at all. But it was interestingly at a time when there was a lot of change within the, especially women's magazines. So, mm. you know, Stella was launched, was relaunched. Um, you know, You Had a Makeover, Style had a really big red magazine. You know, they were very much suddenly looking at the 40 plus generation, it was their time. This was a generation that had previously been really, really ignored. You know, once you got to 40, that was it. You know, get out there. Yeah. You are Viella, you know, you are twin sets, you know, you are, a, as I always say, a raincoat with the fun lining. You know, that's all you're, that's yeah. what you are. That is literally what, you know, a gilet. I mean, I'd move to the I was like, I do, oh my God, I said, do I have to buy a gilet? Please don't tell me how. I don't want to own a gilet. I mean, yeah, I now own a gilet, but. That's so funny you mentioned that because I interviewed someone yesterday actually for the next series. And she was like, I suddenly see the point of the gilet. Is the gilet a step too far, Kat? No, mine's a sheepskin gilet. Mine's a reversible leather and sheepskin gilet that I bought in the sale six years ago in New York. And it is one of the most expensive things I ever bought. And I love it as much as I love a child. It's a, you find the right gilet and there is method in the gilet madness. Um, but yeah, these were practical gilets. But yeah, I mean, they are ironically now in fashion, but there we go. At the time, they very much weren't. They very much weren't a thing to be seen to unless you were actually a farmer. It, it, but they suddenly realised that actually this entire generation of women are savvy, you know, they love fashion. They know their own minds. They are changing. They are really starting to wake up and realize I can be, I can reinvent myself as a new person with regards to both my career and the way I look. But why do you think the fashion industry is so bad at that though? It's a bit like we're the same as we always were. We just have slightly bigger waistlines, unfortunately, and probably slightly bigger budgets. And yet still we're not really catered for. Well, I mean, you say that, but I I think knowing what I know, you know, compared to the, the retailers when I first started, the retailers that wouldn't speak to you and the retailers that now, you know, are very much aware that actually, you know, their demographic. And it was also with the change in retailers. So previously, you know, sort of 10, 12 years ago, there weren't the likes of the online retailers, the cheaper end of the market, you know, mm. that is aimed very, very much at a certain demographic. And it's not you and it's not me. It's very much aimed at, you know, the late teens, early 20s with a price point to match. And, and I'll say later, I'm not keen on the term fast fashion to describe 
that particular fashion. Is it, I mean, is it a bit rubbish? No, I think it's the way they wear it is rubbish in the fact that they wear it once and they throw it away. It's almost like, it's. I would call it more disposable fashion anyway. But the reality is that probably, even if I did want to buy that stuff, if I did buy it, I would look absolutely shit in it. Like no two ways about it. Well, do you know what you say that though? You say that. The irony of it is actually, and that's one thing I would say, you know, never ever judge a book by its cover. Never, never judge a retailer by the girl that's wearing on their first on their landing page. Because they're actually. <laughs> but I do. I always do. And I'm think, I can think of like one particular online retailer that I literally just, I mean, apart from that, you know, the ethical things around this particular retailer, you just go to the landing page and you think, nah. For many of them, Sam, there are there are many of them out there. But at, you know, I mean, they they show areas of flesh that never need to be exposed from my body ever. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, me I mean, neither. in the shower, and I'll do it on the beach because I frankly don't care. But you know, walking down the street, there are you know, yes, there is. There's not a lot of coat action going on, is there? <laughs> in the winter, no. <laughs> these outfits aren't designed to be worn with coat. You know, but 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 the point actually with those, as a slight digression, is that if you look and if you search, you can find some incredible things. I have one of my summer dresses for you know, and I. Yeah, I don't know if you have it, but I have sort of five or six dresses that are my, as soon as I go on holiday, I just take them out, pack them, done. And I wear them every yeah. single holiday. And actually in the UK as well, we get those odd balmy days. And I have one dress from, it is from Boohoo. It's a dress from Boohoo and it is the most incredible dress. And when I put it on, one woman asked me on holiday, it's at least last year, if it was Erdem. And I was like, no, it's from Boohoo. She's like, are you actually kidding me? It is incredible. So Every now and again, and it was 25 quid, but I've worn it now. I've had it for five years and I absolutely love it. So you can find the odd thing, but you do have to search. I'm going to say it's a full-time job finding that. Though, That's a full-time it? job. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, the point is, is that, you know, sort of the other, the rest of the, the high street, you know, they were sort of at a real pinch point because, I mean, ironically, you know, a lot of them have actually gone under and are, are actually back. Mm. Even more ironically, owned by Boohoo. Um, yeah. <laughs> there we go. All around curve there. So they're trying to sort of claw back at that sort of 30s, 30s market, which ironically, I think now, I and mean, I've used ironically a million times, I do think it's ironic that they are the ones who are almost like the forgotten generation. I actually do mm. think that the over 40s, I think when it comes to over 50s and 60s, again, there is, there is, they do need more representation without a shadow of a doubt. But I think that people do speak to them. You know, you have got the likes, you know, I mean, M&S do it brilliantly. You've got me and M that do it brilliantly. You've got Hush, you've got Nearby. I mean, John Lewis, you go in and you could, you know, you could wear pretty much any of them. Hobbs have got their act together. Both Bowden, you know, they don't, you don't, you don't see a fun lining anymore at Bowden. They are <laughs> stunning. You know, they, they're absolutely great for what, for what they do. So yeah, so they, I think that has definitely changed and people now do. It is, it is much, much easier to have access to a wider range of clothes that do work for women's bodies of a certain age, of which there is no doubt they do change. Oh, God, totally. I mean, um, when I first saw your Instagram, and there were like two things that I think you've done completely brilliant. One is that you are like, just like us, but taller and skinnier, has to be said. Sorry. But the other thing was that you could actually afford the clothes on your feet. Was that intentional? Did you set out to go, I'm going to be at the affordable end, I'm not going to do designers? I do. I, I, I have always done a mix. And I think that's just how I always shopped. I can't even, unless the Christmas present of my husband, I cannot really think of any time where I haven't bought something more expensive that hasn't been 
in the sale. I'm a massive advocate of sale shopping, a massive advocate of sale shopping. But I think that with regards to our high street, there are so many great things on there. There are so many great, great pieces. I don't, I'm not even necessarily high street. I'm in supermarkets. You know, they can do it so well. Their cashmere is brilliant. Their denim's brilliant. Their cotton's brilliant. They have organic, organic cotton, which is brilliant. So I think it wasn't necessarily at the beginning an instinctive choice. I think that's just how I shopped. Um, but as time has gone on, I do try and be respectful of people's budgets. And it's very different if I'm selling somebody, if I'm giving somebody style advice, if I'm doing sort of edits for people, that's very different from what I might personally wear, not buy because I would buy all those things, but I necessarily wouldn't personally wear them. They might not be my particular style because obviously I look at a range of styles. But I think you have to be respectful of budgets that that people have. And that's when it comes back to industry talking about fast fashion and how to be sustainable. I find it incredibly frustrating. And I've sat on a couple of panels where I always remember somebody saying, you know, I think the easiest way to be sustainable is, you know, just don't shop on the high street. And it was like, okay. Okay. And their idea for a cost-effective way was to look at charity shops and vintage. And I said, absolutely. Do you know what? That's, that's great. I said, but I just think that, you know, there are not understanding people that for them to have the time, the wherewithal and the knowledge or even the inclination to go and shop in a charity shop or in vintage. You know, charity shops are, it's an art shopping in a charity mm. shop. And you can't just walk in and pick something up. It takes, you have to visit, you know, it takes such a long time. It's almost like it's a professional hobby almost, yeah. shopping in charity shops. It's like, it's a skill. Yeah, totally. And as is shopping vintage. There is also, dare I say, a question of luck. So mm. much luck involved. You know, it's not like, oh, wow, they've got my size in M&S winning. You know, I mean, that, yeah, to be exactly. fair, in, its, in, its, in itself is actually a little bit of luck as well. But oh, I just God, think yeah. from a, I don't, I don't particularly like to call myself a fashion expert, but let's say from a, you know, from a fashion obsessive point of view, yeah. I find it slightly, I want to say, I, I do actually find it quite patronising when they say, you know, I'm so sorry, but if you can only afford a polyester dress from Sainsbury's from two, then don't buy it. Absolutely not at all. It's about education. It's about saying to somebody, buy that dress from two, but don't buy three dresses. Think about it really carefully and buy one dress. And that one dress, I want you to make sure that that one dress you could wear to a barbecue in the summer. You can wear it to your sister's wedding in the evening. You know, you can take it on a holiday. You can wear it on the school run. I really want you to think about how you wear that dress and make sure that you love that dress and that dress fits you and you feel great in it. And if, to me, that doesn't matter whether that dress is from Boohoo to H&M. You know, it could be from Preen, it could be a Joseph dress, it could be from me and M, it could be from anywhere. It makes no odds. And this is where I think the term fast fashion, where it's used to describe cheap fashion is incorrect because I know, as you do, many, many, many people in the fashion world where matches to them is fast fashion. They will buy something yeah. and they will wear it once. And that doesn't make it any more acceptable to buy something just because it costs £600 and it's pure cashmere. That doesn't make it any more acceptable to wear that white jumper once as it does wearing a, a tiny little wool pair of shorts from Boohoo that cost you 10 quid. It's just as bad. It's still going to the same landfill. Yeah. So it's much more about thinking about the thing you buy and actually yeah. wearing it instead of just that disposable thing. It is. And I think that's, that's where the whole message in the book came about. You know, you buy less. 
and you wear it more. You know, that is the first step that we can all make at being sustainable. And if we did that, you know, I say if we buy less, the manufacturers will make less. Because I do think as well, there is there is a, a proportion of guilt that is unfairly levied onto the consumer that you must buy less. Yeah, we must buy less. But dudes, you've got to stop making as so much stuff. Yeah. You go on a sale rail, you go in and those sale rails are a joke. You go in online to certain retailers and things that have been that they are sitting in warehouses and they keep making more and more and more. And I know that dress has been in the sale for about 18 months. You know, yeah. and I don't know how many of them they've got. So they make so much stuff. I think we just need to go back to just stop having all these drops, you know, stop. It's, it is yin and yang. Whilst you keep buying, they will keep making. It's just a question of just rein it back in. All of us. Yeah. I mean, it's become self-fulfilling, hasn't it? Because once they started doing the drops and yeah. you knew that it was no longer a case of, mm, I might go back and look at that tomorrow in my lunch hour or next Saturday, I'm going to see if it's still in my head because it wouldn't be there. Yeah. So they kind of created that sense of you have to buy it now. I mean, are you like a normal person still? Do you have like internet shopping baskets overflowing with stuff that you never buy? Oh, gosh, yeah. Or do you no longer do that because you're an influencer cat? No. Oh, my gosh. I absolutely do. I think it's a double-edged sword. Because I love the new in email that drops into your box. I will spend ages perusing it. And I will, but I am very, very much a, right, who do I want to look like? What is my style going to be this year? I'm, I'm very, 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 I've always done that. I'm very rarely impulse buy. Very, very rarely. My one impulse buy, my confession, confessions of an impulse shopper, let's drive it up. <laughs> I cannot. How many resist. have you got? Do you know what? I actually went off them for a while. I actually did. I had a little stripy top hiatus um, for for a couple of years when I was much more into florals. Actually, I was I would do florals, but now I'm back with Avengers, and now I just mix them with my florals. <laughs> How many stripe tops I got? I don't know. Not that many, actually, because I do tend to return them if they're not right. I, I keep buying them and then they're not quite right, so I send them back. I'm a very, very good returner. I think that's you know, it's fine to buy yeah. things as long as you must return them. Yeah, you have to get real. I think a lot of people will have got good at returning during the pandemic. I definitely return almost as much as I buy. Yeah, and probably eighty, ninety percent, which must be a problem for them. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, it's one of those things. The joy of going in. It's a really, really tricky double-edged sword because you want to be at home. And I would always advocate be at home with your purchases so that you can then try them on with other things in your wardrobe. One thing I have in the book is called The Rule of Three. And The Rule of Three is that you must be able to think of at least with one item, new item, you must be able to think of at least three outfits that you can make with that item from things that you already own. So, for example, if you're looking at buying a new top, you can't think, oh, it's an amazing top. I love this top. I have literally nothing to go with it. Or it only works with that one pair of jeans that I own. Because you're not going to wear it as much as you would if it went with, oh, but if it was three inches longer, it would go with this skirt. It would go with that leather skirt. It would go with those trousers. It would go with those jeans. So you must be able to think of that. Secondly, you must be able to think of three occasions when you can wear that outfit, that item that aren't three days at work or three school runs. You know, you must be able to think of three different occasions. So you must be able to wear it out for lunch. You must be able to really dress it down. You must be able to wear it out for dinner. You know, you must be able to think of three totally different occasions when that top is going to come into it. So that top, those jeans, those shoes are going to come into their own. And it's fascinating once you start doing that 
the things that you don't buy. And I always think about the things that I don't buy. Do I still hanker after them? I can probably count on one hand the amount of things over the years. I think I really wish I'd bought that. I really wish I'd bought that. That in my in my wardrobe, still to this day, I would remember that. I would wear that still. Very, very few things. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It's really interesting, isn't it? So, I mean, I remember when I was writing The Shift, I mean, I spoke to the women, my kind of research group of women about clothes. They were all probably between 40 and 60. But to a woman, they were like, you know, I look in the wardrobe and I've got nothing to wear for who I am today or yesterday yep. or tomorrow. I probably wear, and this definitely goes for me too, I probably wear 10% of the things in my wardrobe. Yep. And worse than that, I probably only wear the things that are in a pile on the bathroom floor. On totally. Sorry, that's me. Yeah. Very, very bad. And then on top of that, it's like, I'm no longer the person who bought these clothes. Or actually, I don't even know who bought these clothes. And I don't know how to wear them because of the changes in my body. And that we can pretend yeah. that doesn't happen. But to a lesser or greater extent, you know, flesh duvet is a thing. It is. <laughs> even if you keep I it in check, that. you yeah. know, it's like overnight... This little bit here that you might never have had before. Yeah. There's just excess, isn't there? I don't know where it comes from. It just, yeah. But that, I think, is part of, I think it's really interesting. It's when you start dressing for the shape that you are, not the shape that you want to be. And once you start dressing for the lifestyle that you have and not the lifestyle that you would like and understand who you want to be when you look in the mirror, the sort of style that you want to be. And that's quite, I think that is really hard to identify. So I have tried to do that in the book. I've broken it down. It's sort of like seven quite distinct, I think it's seven, might be eight, distinct styles that people should hopefully be able to identify with. And I think once you start doing that, it's basically all about focus. You need a starting point. 
to then build on with regards to, okay, fine. So I want to go down this route. And then once you start thinking, would so-and-so wear that? Would Kate Moss wear that? Would, um, I don't know. I mean, I've got, there's loads of people, you know, like Judy Dench. I mean, I love her little boho style there. Honestly, it does. The book takes you through the various stages yeah. and it does it bit by bit. It's bite-sized pieces so that you just cover one piece at a time. So you're not overloaded. Yeah. And it simplifies it. It's actually really useful in the way that it simplifies different styles. So you can see how things go together because I think what so many people, what I've always done, you know, and this is as a person who has worked tangentially to fashion for most of my career is I see someone whose style I like. So for instance, for a good few years, it was, um, Oh God, now I've forgotten her surname. Jenna, who was at J Crew. Jenna Lyons. Lyons. J Crew. Yes. And she was very much mix up a stripe and flowers. And she's a classic. And here's me, a person who mainly wore black and jeans obsessed with her it's like when I I was looking in my wardrobe last night prior to talking to you thinking okay so here's what I wear which is mainly jeans and some sort of top or leather joggers or leather skinnies that's what I wear and over here in my wardrobe is this big rail of colorful dresses what is that about I wear jeans and I buy dresses Help me, Kat. Help me. Here's a really interesting thing. Why do you not wear the dresses? Is it because they don't work for your lifestyle? Is it because you, you know, I mean, lockdown's got a lot to answer for as well, because, you know, not many of us were swanning around in dresses. And I think it's very easy to, you know, to sort of lose that it's a confidence you know you, you, it's a level of comfort as well you know you get very familiar with certain pieces in your wardrobe and when you put something else on you automatically think oh this isn't me this isn't me at all yeah. but I always say wear it for a day you need to almost familiarize yourself with it again and I think it's also wearing it in a way that works for your lifestyle so if you know if you are out and about for lots of meetings you know you're not going to be wearing it with like you know sky high heels I mean you see oh, I mean you see you know Sarah Jessica Parker walking I think oh yeah Awesome. How can she walk, walk in those? She doesn't walk anywhere, I don't think. She has a taxi. She doesn't That's walk true. anywhere. Totally, yeah. When I used to have loads of heels, they were totally car to bar shoes, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, that. Totally. Do you even own heels anymore? I do. Do I wear them is a whole other question. Do you know what? I keep them and I wear them to... When did I last wear a pair of heels? I think I did. I went to a dinner party and I thought, do you know what? Actually, I'm going to put these on. But I was literally going from the taxi into the house to sit down at the table, stand up for a glass of champagne and then sat down. I mean, you know, I could have worn my slippers, but I did feel, <laughs> I did feel great. I think things like, you know, if they ever come back one day, weddings, ascot, you know, that sort of thing. That's, that's when I would wear a pair of heels, but I don't buy them anymore because I own them already. I haven't bought a pair of heels for uh, four years. I can't remember. Little heels actually though I do wear now. I've progressed to like a, 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 I want to say it's not a kitten heel, a three inch, two, no, not even three inch. That's that's massive. Well, two and a half inch little heel. I can do that. Oh, no, I can't. Is that, is it just age? (gasps) We've just got to accept it's just age. I also think it's, what vessel the heel belongs to. So a boot, I think, is so much easier to wear That's with a heel. True. That is true. That is so it? true. It's so yeah, much easier to walk with a boot. You've got to worry about keeping it on your foot. Yeah. On your foot. Yeah. Doesn't fall off. You don't seem to roll your ankle. Yeah. Boots. Little mini, like kitten heel boots. Oh, I did remember something else, something else the other day, actually, and I was doing a, a Q&A on um, fashion myths which is so interesting. And they said, is it true that um, only heeled shoes can work for a formal occasion? And I said, no, 
Not at all, because there are now so many flat shoes. I think there is always this myth. And I certainly, when I was younger, you know, if I was going out, I'd put heels on. I wouldn't dream of wearing, Mm. you know, if I was wearing a dress, I wouldn't wear flat shoes. I'd always wear heels. Whereas now I think, I think, oh, actually, no, I could do a little pair of a lot of little spocky flats. Yeah, that's so true, actually. I'm trying to think who it was. I remember seeing somebody lifting up their big ball gown on the red carpet and there were converse underneath. I was like, yes. Definitely. I think, I do think trainers have been the most liberating piece of footwear for women, probably in forever. In the fact that I do genuinely think they are now so much more acceptable as a a smarter form of workwear. I I think there are still probably offices, some offices that would frown upon it incorrectly, I think. I think there is no reason why you cannot wear the most incredible, well-cut, beautiful suit and a pair of, you know, gorgeous white traders as opposed to a pair of, you know, scruffy old ballet flats you probably have for about 45 years. So, (laughs) but I think that, you know, there is still that misnomer that trainers are somehow, I don't know what they are. Why, why, why wouldn't you be able to wear them? Casual. And teachers, teachers still can't wear trainers. Lots of teachers, some teachers can, but lots of teachers can't wear trainers. And I think, you know, we're not talking trainers that you've gone and run up Mount Nevis in, you know, not that I've ever run up Mount Nevis in a pair of many trainers, not I've ran really. Um, but, you know, we're not talking about a pair of functional running gym trainers. We're talking about, there are fat trainers now, which are specifically, you know, never a sweat shall be broken in them. So I, I, I do think it's, it's a shame that they can't be worn. Yeah, I mean, we work in fashion. So I mean, you could wear trainers to literally anything now, couldn't you? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I've been living in trainers for probably seven or eight years now. You know, absolutely. So, you know, I I do think it's a shame that trainers can't be worn as a more acceptable form of more formal workwear. I want to ask you a couple of practical questions. Mm. So which are your go-to destinations if you're on a budget? Or if I'm on a budget, basic, Um, smart. I mean, if you just had to go somewhere, would you you go, okay, well, I'll just go to John Lewis because whatever it is, I'll find it there. I wouldn't say John Lewis was particularly cost of, you know, I love John Lewis, but I wouldn't, I would never say if someone said they were really on a budget, I wouldn't send them to John Lewis. Actually, they have a new range called Any Day at John Lewis, which is really, really good. Some great price points. Um, I would say um, H&M is really good. Mm. H&M, again, shopping in store, it is such a question of potluck. Dare I say, it's almost a bit like charity, you know, charity shop shopping. Mm. You know, you can be really lucky in that the store that you go to will have the things that you want. They have such a massive skew that, you know, they have so many ranges and so many products. But if you shop cleverly, H&M do some brilliant things. F&F and Two are brilliant. You know, they have some great things. Their denim, both their denim ranges are really, really good. So F&F is Tesco, isn't it? F&F is Tesco, Two is Sainsbury's. Yeah, and they do, but they also do a brilliant cashmere. Their cashmere is really good. My top tip for anyone buying any form of cashmere, actually, is to look at men's cashmere. Mm. It's, you know, it tends to be, A, it's slightly cheaper. And, you know, especially if you are larger bust, it's always really great because they do really big chest sizes. It's it's great. If you're taller, it does great arm lengths. If you're petite, it's not so good. If you're petite, if you're petite, my best bet for looking at petite, and I know everyone who was ever petite says, please let's have a look at children ranges. I'm sorry, go and look at Zara. I am so jealous that you are able to shop in Zara as you know, or H&M. I'm so envious because they have such incredible, incredible things that, you know, I would hundred percent wear them if I was much shorter. Where else is really good on a, on a, on a budget? I think it really depends what you're looking for. But I mean, I would say those, I mean, M&S for basics are absolutely brilliant, really good. Yeah, it does just depend, but they would probably be my go-tos. 
What are the five, let's say five things that everyone should have in their wardrobe, kind of as building blocks? I, I love this. I call them uh, wardrobe staples. And I, there's, uh, it's a, it's a massive, massive chapter of the book on it because I get incredibly frustrated, not with you, obviously, but when someone mm-hmm. says about, well, someone talks about a capsule wardrobe because my capsule wardrobe compared to your capsule wardrobe, compared to three other women's capsule wardrobes, it's going to be completely different. And I think this is one of the dangers that we've, that over the years, you know, magazines have fallen down, you know, you you see it a lot on Instagram, is that people suddenly go, oh my Lord, right, so I need to buy a blazer, a pair of jeans, I need to buy um, a let's go. And then they get them home and say, A, I have nothing to go with these things. They're not building blocks for me at all. They're just waste of space and money. And when am I going to ever wear? When am I ever going to wear a blazer? So I think it's so different for everybody. You need to have something to cover your nether regions, okay? So you need to have something to cover your legs. So you need to work out though, are you a skirt person? Are you a trouser person? Are you a jeans person? So you need to have things to go on the bottom. And that is, that's just it, you know, and that will be your basic. And what that involves, what that item might be, it depends whether or not, you know, it depends what your lifestyle is. You know, if you're really practical, it might be, you might have two pairs of jeans because you might never wear anything else. And you can actually, if you had, dare I say a pair, dare I say a lot, if you have a pair of jet black jeans, they double as, you know, as black trousers. If you are wearing jeans all the time, chances are you don't have that many smart occasions to think about, but a pair of dark, 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 dark jet black jeans will work for you. So yeah, so I I think it depends, you know, it might be that you never wear a skirt, it might be that you never wear trousers, you always wear a skirt. So it's thinking about those five things that you will wear, and you love wearing all the time. And the same goes for tops. I, I only own, I think about two or three blouses. I'm not a blouse person. I love them on other people, but I'm not. However, for me, I would say for most people, I would say probably a silk, silky blouse at some is probably, you know, is worth. But then again, as I say that, I'm thinking about it. Some people are like, that's my idea of hell. I'm just a jumper person or I'm just a t-shirt person or I'm a denim shirt person. So again, white shirt, does a white shirt work for everybody? No. No, It always makes me look like a waitress. Well, I just find them really impractical. And that's another thing thinking about clothes. You know, I'd love to be, I'd love to be a white shirt person. I'm too lazy. I don't do the laundry enough. Yeah. And I, I did most of them need ironing and I hate ironing. And I find them really uncomfortable to wear because they're quite stiff cotton. I love the look of them on other people. I own one white shirt, two, that's it. And I wear them incredibly rarely. But I personally, so for me personally, it's a black jumper, black polo neck, full stop end of. I love a black polo neck in all its guises. So a black polo neck, a Breton, a really good pair of jeans. I love a trench, a biker and a blazer. I could get through with those. And a pair of wide leg trousers. I love wide leg trousers. And shoe-wise, I would just need a pair of traders and a pair of really nice boots. And I could get through. That's it. Kind of makes you wish you almost went right back to the beginning, doesn't it? But after three days, and this is the problem, you get bored of it. I will always say to me, you know, you do not sort of need to have those little changes. Accessories are... There's, again, a massive chapter in the book on accessories about how they are sort of like the secret weapons, you know, in your basic wardrobe arsenal, because they can completely change up a look. 
Totally. And I would say an accessory is a red lipstick. You know, that can completely yeah. transform your look. Totally transform your uh, look. Accessories can be surprisingly hard, can't they? I mean, I'm yeah. saying that like it's, you know, like it's my mastermind subject or something, but I really struggle with accessories, which is ironic for someone who used to get given free bags. Got a lot of bags. I use one and I'm good at glasses and sunglasses. Yes. Really good at glasses. But the rest of it, I can't do accessories. Do you not do why. hats in the winter? No, my hair's too big. Uh, what, do you have a scarf? Not so much once that, since I've started getting hot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> in the, I love that. In that case, You have this coming for you, you see. I, uh, yeah, well, no, I'm patched up to the hilt. I'm hoping prevention is better than cure. I'm going down, <laughs> I'm going down that route. I'm going down the patch me up. I'm taking all the supplements. I'm trying to drink less and exercise more. That's not going very well. I'm trying to, you know, be more mindful. I remember when they, you know, when I first found out about the whole hormone thing and they said, uh, you know, it's changing lifestyle. And I was like, sorry, no, I've been pregnant. I've actually been pregnant four times. Again, I've got to give up everything again. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, no. And this time it's forever. And I was like, yeah, do you know what? There's got to be a, there's got to be another, another option I can marry alongside this somewhere. Um, but back to um, accessories, jewellery. Are you not a jewellery person? I like jewellery. Do you know what? I think the combination of working from home and lockdown has just made me incredibly lazy. Do you know what I would say, dressed. though? Knowing you, I would say your best accessory is probably your hair. Yeah, I think that's actually really perceptive because I think I do use my hair like that. And that's, again, in the book, that's one of the things I actually say. Do you know what? If you are, everybody has an amazing defining feature and you need to understand what that is and make the most of it. You know, that's where you can, you know, that's where you can put your budget. That's what you can look after because that is your shining glory. I know I was going to ask you, has your mum got an issue with your long hair? My mum unfortunately passed away, but um, would she have an issue? No, I don't think she would now, but she always did say, you know, yeah, women of a certain age shouldn't have long hair. Always. Because I noticed there was that you mentioned, you said something about long hair in the book and then you said, I remembered mum or something. Yeah. Yeah, she did. Yeah. She always, she was, she was always disgusted about that. Yeah. I don't know if she would. I don't know if she would. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what she'd say. But she can't say anything. So I have my hair as long as I like. It's one of those arbitrary rules, isn't it? That like when you yeah. Google, you get like pages and pages and pages of things you shouldn't be doing once you're over 40. The list is massive. But it's not even over. I don't think it's even over 40. I think there are, I think there are certain things that people are just so didactic about what you shouldn't charge and do. I mean, I, I got some questions that you know, and it was black and blue, and people are like, "Oh, you can't, you can't wear black and navy." It's like, what? Hey, look, you can't. Well, I've, I've heard that. I've definitely heard that. But and it's blue and green should never be seen. Red and green. Should, it's funny actually because it, there's something a green apparently should never be seen. It's poor green. Green's got a real <laughs> thing. And my thing about green, and actually, this is something my mum did say. I did learn this about my mum. My mum said the great thing about green is green goes with absolutely everything. And I said, well, she says, you think of nature. If you think of nature, green works with pretty much every single color you could think of. You never look at a flower and think those two colors don't go together. <laughs> and it's so, it's so true. When you think about it, why, when you put it on a body, does it does not work? Green's a great color. Green's yeah, a I've come around color. to green, definitely. But that's been partly as I've started to wear a bit less black, I think as my hair has faded. So you wear less black. I still love black. I still love that so much. I, I, I will acquiesce that navy is much more flattering, <laughs> which it, which irritates me and pleases me in, in sort of, you know, in, in, in equal measures because 
I mean, they will bury me in black. I mean, I, I just love it. I think there is something so innately elegant about it. And maybe it's because I do see it on other people. But I have to say, if I'm going to an event, chances are I will wear black. I have to yeah. be very careful because it doesn't photograph well. I don't know. No, and that's a big concern for you now. Well, uh, not not really, because um, I don't really care. <laughs> so I still, I still love it. And actually, the thing about black as well, you can be very clever with black. If you wear black that has a texture to it or a sheen to it, it again, is so much more flattering than a, than a matte black. So black velvet, for example, can be amazing because it has, especially a, a silk velvet, because it has a texture and it has a sheen. So it's not flat, a flat black panel. It gives light, it reflects rather than sucking light, which is what you want, really. But again, I think, you know, if you think about texture, it's about adding layers. It's about the, you know, the structure of a dress. It's, yeah, black can just be amazing. One more question before I ask you the questions I always ask. And you're, what, 48? 49. It's 49 last week. 49 last week. Oh, big one next year. (laughs) How has your attitude to ageing changed you? How has ageing changed? Your attitude is probably more the right question. I have found it unexpectedly so incredibly liberating. It's so good. I mean, if you'd asked me this question, for example, with regards to ageing, let's even say three years ago about going on a holiday. You know, if I knew I was going away, and I hope they're going away in a couple of weeks for a much delayed holiday that we've moved and moved and moved and moved and moved. Um, and had I known I was going away, I would be doing, I'd be juicing. I would be, you know, be cutting this out. I would be on the train. Treadmill. I have done nothing because I don't care anymore. I can be on a beach in a bikini and I don't care. I do not give monkeys because what somebody else thinks is it's literally, I can't do anything about somebody else's opinion. And actually, when was the last time you looked at anyone on the beach and actually had a negative opinion about them? You don't look, you don't look and you don't care. So I found it incredibly liberating. And I, I, I also feel that I'm a much more, what's what I'm looking for? Not balanced. That's not the right word at all. I think I'm, I'm more understanding. I think I'm able to very, very much see other people's perspectives. And I have more respect for other people's points of view. I'm just very happy with my opinion being purely my own. I think very much at a younger age. And maybe it was a loss of identity, loss of confidence. You know, you make yourself feel better by getting other people to agree with you. I certainly did that. Yeah. You know, you want people to be in your tribe and you want to be there. Whereas now you don't have to agree with me. That is absolutely fine. That is completely, completely fine. But this is what I think. I'm just much more open. I just, I don't feel the need to perform I don't feel the need to prove myself to anybody it's really quite quite liberating that's brilliant right questions I always ask what's your emotional age oh that's such a good one that honestly depends on which day you catch me do you know what I actually think my emotional age realistically is I don't feel any different from what I did at 28 I really why 28 I don't know. I think 28 was a time when I I just met my husband and I'd gone through quite not not very nice breakup. And I, I just got to a point where, where I just thought, I really like being who I am right now. And I still feel like that. I really just got to a point and thought, Do you know what? I'm really enjoying my life. Emotionally, I feel as if I'm lucky. I think I had a a real moment of clarity with regards to I am really fortunate. I think, you know, so much of your life up up till then, for for me anyway, was very much about chasing the I want something else. You know, the grass is always greener. The grass is always Mm. greener. The grass is always greener. And I think suddenly I got to 28. 
I met my husband and I thought, actually, I'm good. This is it. If this is all life has to offer me, I am so happy and content. And I think apart from, as I say, the blip when um, I rocked in a corner, you know, there have been ups and downs, but I've still managed to maintain that, you know, I am so lucky with what I have. So from a, I'm from an emotional well-being place. I think that's, yeah, it's been there since I was 28, 21 years. Give us a book recommendation. Oh, do you know what? I'm going to give a book recommendation. It's a really weird one, but it's a recipe book. Okay. I'm going to give you a recipe book recommendation. And in fact, it's a number of books, but they are all absolutely brilliant. And they're called the Roasting Tin Recipe Books. Oh, yes. They're brilliant, aren't they? I know. And I actually think if I was recommending a, a novel or anything else, I think, you know, they're quite personal, dare I say. But whereas I think there is nobody that would not be able to find something that they would thank me for forever from that Roasting Tin book. Yeah. There's the green Roasting Tin book. They are absolutely brilliant. I love them. Yeah, there's a pudding one now, isn't there? What advice would you give younger women? I would say, I know it sounds ridiculous to say, believe in yourself, but believe in yourself and I wish <laughs> that is what somebody had had told me and I don't it's very to say it in a slightly flippant way without thinking what it really means and I think it is you know believe in yourself know that you do have confidence within you as much as you think you might not and as much as you will have doubts somewhere you do it's just a question of finding it and it'll be buried at different layers for different people and at different times of your life I think, you know, you feel that you can lose it. But if you do, just believe in yourself and you know, courage in your own convictions. Great. Who is your old bird role model? Oh, do I absolutely love Helen Mirren. Helen Mirren, I think, has managed to transcend society's expectations of how 70-year-old women should look and be an age. And I just think she is, she's brilliant in her attitude in her in her outlook, in the way that she dresses, in the way that she holds herself. I just think she's brilliant. And I think she's an extraordinary actress as well. Great. What's your superpower? Oh, my superpower. My superpower, I think, is being positive. I am a horribly positive person until I lose my temper. My superpower then is to be able to go from literally lose my temper in 20 seconds and the red mist descends, but the positivity is back within 30 seconds. I'm not a dweller. That's, that's a real skill, I think, not dwelling. Well, yes. No, I don't dwell. Don't hold grudges. Life is too short. But honestly, it's just putting things behind you and moving on. My mum was like that. My mum was 100% like that. And I think that for me, you know, everybody makes mistakes. I mean, there's a the question of do you forgive and forget? I think you can do both. I can do both. I can forgive because I'm sure I've done things in the past I would like people to forgive me for. It's not a second chance. It's just, you know, accepting that at that period of their time uh, in life, they did something they might not necessarily be proud of today. Um, it does depend what that is. I mean, we're not talking, you know, <laughs> anything, it's a bit, you know, minor things that other people find very, very difficult to move on from. Great. And lastly, how many fucks do you give? None. Zero. None. Absolutely none. My bucket of fucks is empty. <laughs> that's great cat thank you i've got to say i've been sitting here looking at your living room over your shoulder for the last hour oh. and i am so jealous gorgeous oh well lovely way to start the day thank you Kat, oh, so thank much for you your time so much lots you. of love and good luck with the book thank you thank okay. you so much sam thank you thank right. you bye. Bye, bye. bye thank you for listening you can hear a new episode of the shift each tuesday on acast apple podcasts spotify or wherever you get your podcasts if you like what you hear, please do rate, review and follow because it really does help other people find us. 
And if you'd like to know more about my own experience of shifting, my book, The Shift, How I Lost and Found Myself After 40, and You Can Too, is out now in paperback. See you next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.